Thanks for helping of blood and gore. And welcome back to the Bad Dad Horror Podcast. I'm your host, John Couture. And your co-host, Sierra Couture. Well, Sierra, this is actually episode eight, if for those of those of them people playing along at home. Even though this is an episode of films that we actually watched before Halloween, it's just a few things that happened and some illnesses and some other th- issues that caused us some delays in recording, but we're back. Are you happy to be back? Yes. We're recording a couple of weeks before Christmas, actually the day before my birthday, so happy birthday to me. And uh, Sierra, what have you been up to lately? What's been going on? What's new in your world? Well, I've been opening my advent calendar. You have been opening your advent calendar. Has that been cool? Have you been yes. enjoying that? Yes. Awesome. What about school? How's school going for you? Good. Pretty good. Awesome. You just got done playing uh, in, in a band performance. Can you tell people who what, what instrument you played? Uh, I played clarinet. She plays a woman of very many words, as you can tell. Uh, well, in case you've forgotten, I'll give you a little recap of what we do here on the Bad Dad Horror Podcast. I'm the host and the Bad Dad himself, John Couture, and I've got a daughter. Her name is Sierra. She's a preteen, and she's gotten into a lot of horror recently, even though she's only 11 years old, thanks to Stranger Things, mostly. And she asked me, what can I watch that's like Stranger Things and as a aficionado of everything horror I'm like well definitely horror films but growing up you know we had things called video stores and video store clerks who are very knowledgeable and help you pick out what to watch and knows what you like and would kind of steer you towards or away from things that would be maybe age appropriate or not age appropriate and that's kind of what we're hoping to do with this podcast kind of give you a guide we're Sierra and I are going to watch some horror films some classic horror films some newer horror films together and kind of give our ideas on whether we think it's age appropriate or what things you look out for and also whether we liked it or not and as somebody who grew up with these films I gave one sort of perspective and then Sierra who is only 11 years old it's only been on this earth for 11 years she certainly gives a different perspective all right, well, going, we're going to dive right in this week, and this week you'll see a theme in these episodes. These are certainly what we call to is horror anthology, and we're going to start out with a couple of films that are near and dear to my heart, uh, one of which was one of the original films that stuck with me back in the early 80s when I was nearly 10 years old myself. And yeah. Another film is a classic, uh, more recent classic, but certainly one of the ones I pull out every Halloween. Coming soon. Jolting Tales of Horror. Creep Show. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls. Cringe at weird kids and shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely painful, Mr. Verrill. <laughs> Creep show will grab you, grow on you, and give you the creeps. No, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creep Show, the most fun you'll ever have 
being scared. Jumping right in, the first film we're going to watch this week is the 1982 film Creep Show, directed by George A. Romero. Yeah. It's uh, one of the original anthology horror films, uh, directed by Romero, who we've seen before. Sarah, can you remember what film we've seen from George Romero? We've seen a couple. Um, was he in the Night of the Living Dead? Yes, he was in Night of the Living Dead, and of course, Day of the Dead. Uh, he's massively famous for doing the zombie films. That seems to be his uh, genre de choice, if you will, speaking a little French in there. There was like one or two zombie stories in Creepshow. There are, and obviously you, you would expect a lot of that to come back to upon uh, George Romero, who is very actively involved in Creepshow. Uh, off the bat, just give you an idea of what Creepshow is. It is an anthology film. There are five stories that are loosely wrapped together around a crypt keeper. Um, who tells the stories or allows the stories to be told. Um, in the film, it was, there was like a, an intro and an outro to sort of wrap together to kind of tidy up bookends to the stories to kind of hold them together. Uh, what, did you cons- what did you think about, first of all, what did you think about the concept of the anthology where there's multiple horror stories wrapped into one movie? I like that concept. Okay. Because um, some stories aren't long enough to be their own movie. Sure. But you can like put them into this one with other stories that kind of can like wrap around it. Absolutely. Yeah. No. I absolutely. I agree. Um, you know. I think that's one of the neat things about uh, the anthology type films is that you do get uh, the ability to tell stories that maybe you can't flesh out or doesn't hold up over a full hour and a half or two hours. But you know, you can get a good solid forty minutes of horror, and and why should they you know just be disregarded just because they're shorter in length. And this allows you to put together. And, and some anthologies are better at grouping the stories together so that they play along better than others. Uh, the first film, Creep Show, doesn't do a whole lot in terms of, of stringing the stories together. They're really, truly an anthology where there are five distinct stories that are kind of told, wrapped around the idea of the Crypt Keeper and the magazine, the comic book idea while the second film that we'll get to later uh does a much better job of making all the stories cohesively fit together in the same universe well let's kind of go through the day the stories one by one and see what you thought uh the first story is called father's day and uh it was an interesting film where the family comes together um to celebrate every year just on father's day i suppose to celebrate the death of the patriarch of the family and we kind of find out that you know maybe things aren't exactly what they seem and maybe the patriarch isn't quite as dead as he seems what do you think of father's day sierra i liked father's day because like it kind of moved from the past and like you could see who he really was sure and then you uh go into the future and it's obvious that um it's obvious that the lady that was like visiting his grave it's obvious that she wasn't, like, right in the head either. Right, definitely. But, uh, yeah, neither was he, so she definitely, yeah. Definitely true. And it's interesting, you know, for somebody who's grown up with this film, it, it's it's fun. And, and, and in these four films as, as a whole, um, it's interesting to go back and see actors who are just starting out or maybe actors who didn't have as strong a resume back then that they do now um, in some of the earlier roles. And these movies are full of, of, of uh, actors and actresses who are either getting to start out or just uh, helping out um, fans and, and friends of, of theirs. Um, Creepshow is a good example. Father's Day, you know, st- stars a young Ed Harris who has hair 
um, <laughs> later in life. And as most people know him, he does not longer has hair. But in this role, he does have hair. He plays an interesting character, Hank Blaine, um, as well as other characters uh, that are in this. It's just it's just fun to go back and go and see it. And I thought this was a, an interesting story to start the anthology out. It you know it has everything that you would expect in a George Romero type of feel. Uh, and uh, yeah. I think it certainly sets the tone pretty well in terms of Creep Show. It definitely keeps with the zombie theme that he's been going on. Sure, definitely. I'm living dead and day of the dead. Uh, exactly. Well, uh, moving along to the second story of the anthology, it's called Something to Tide You. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The second one's called The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. Sorry, we'll get to the next, the, the tide over, and that's the third one. Uh, and this is interesting for me in a lot of respects because it is um, one thing we didn't talk about off the um, uh, off the, the the stuff is that not only was this directed by George Romero, but it was uh, also involved. It had heavy involvement from writer Stephen King, who uh, you see in a few films uh, that were written by Stephen King, right? Sierra, would you remember those two films were? Yes, I definitely remember this. There's The Shining and Carrie. Yep, The Shining and Carrie that you've seen so far that were written by Stephen very King. Very rememberable. They are definitely very memorable. It's hard to forget those types of films, isn't it, once you've seen yeah. them? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, this is a, a Lonesome Death of Jody Vero. Not only was written by Stephen King, but also stars Stephen King. He plays the country bumpkin, a.k.a. Jody Vero, who witnesses a meteorite land in his backyard of his farm. And he comes up with the idea that, hey, the local college is paying money for meteorites, and he could pay off his bank loan if he, with his meteorite. But... The meteorite isn't exactly what he hoped it would be. Um, and we come to find out that the meteorite hosts a organism of some sort that propagates itself and it looks like grass. So I like to call this one uh, the plants from space uh, episode, uh, story because it definitely feels like uh, it's a plants from space. What do you think of um, the lonesome death of Jordy Varel? I think it was I think it was good. Um I also think it was kind of sad. Yeah, definitely. Because what do you think was sad about it? Because he had no one to help him. Because there's no mm. one else with him. He had no one to help him. Do yeah, the, I guess that would be the lonesome part of the death. Yeah, that's the lonesome. Girl. Yeah, and, I mean, and it's kind of you know that's sort of an interesting. And I think that's a theme that plays in all the stories within Creepshow to a certain extent. It, it is that whole uh, sense of isolation or being alone. Um, definitely, even though Father's Day, all the family's there, each character, you know, is in themselves lonely because they're without certain things or people in their lives. Uh, obviously, Jordy Verrill is the same thing. He has no one else there at his farm besides himself and his, um, <clears throat> I believe his dog is there as well. So, you know, there is, you know, so it is definitely that idea of isolation and how horror itself can creep in. Creep show, creep, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, when your mind is allowed to wander and and not have not be a, you know completely full with being surrounded by love and family and things like that, so I think it's an interesting thing. What do you think of Stephen King as an actor? He was pretty good. Yep. He did a good job of acting like the crazy person that he's supposed to be. Right. Because I think the guy was also supposed to be like the guy that um, he was playing. Mm -hmm. He was also supposed to like sound like a little crazy. Definitely was a bit. He definitely had the local yokel craziness going on. And some people would argue that maybe that's you know Stephen King acting as best he can, or maybe that's that's just Stephen King being himself. Maybe he's a little crazy, a little little local yokel. Probably. Yeah, I mean somebody who writes all these scary films has got to have some sort of affect, right? 
for sure. Yeah, I, I nodded my head, by the way. You nodded your head, which is never a really good thing for an audio podcast. Now, let's <laughs> see here. So, I'm going to say yes, absolutely. So, moving on to the third story, it's something to tide you over. And again, this is another one that had a lot of stars in it. And it basically tells the story of two lovers who were caught cheating. And the guy that catches them, basically, he's got a lot of money, and he buries them on the beach with video cameras so they can watch each other die. And then, uh, you know, he comes to find out that, <clears throat> you know, that maybe they aren't quite so dead. Again, another another Romero zombie type of influence. Yep. And they come back for him. And stars a, a younger Leslie Nielsen and a young Ted Danson, who, uh, and, and even uncredited, but Richard Gere, for those sharp-sighted people, that would is plays the man on TV. So... Uh, you know, there is, again, lots of people in these positions and roles. Uh, what do you think about someone, something that tied you over? I think that one was my favorite. That was your favorite? Them. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's really, I like, I don't, I would never think of that. Like, sure. that, like the storyline, that was pretty like weird, like creative of them to think about. Right. Because like, you know, normally when you think of horror, you don't think of like ocean and waves and beach. Sure. Um. But yeah, it's it it, interesting it, how he like just buried them there, mm-hmm. and then like once the waves started coming, they couldn't get out. It was too much weight. That, right. that was like an interesting part. You had to think about that for a minute. Absolutely, and, and you're right. There, there is that nice juxtaposition between a beautiful beach where you you know you don't normally associate horror or blood and violence, and then the story, which is very violent and very vindictive. Um, so it's a definitely a different, uh, posi- different play between those two extremes. And, and it's interesting to see them play out together. Cause you don't normally think of a beach as a setting for a horror film. Um, speaking of, I, I do think, what do you think? I think that everyone in this film basically gets the justice that's due to them. The two cheating lovers, you know, die, but then the person who killed them also gets his comeuppance, we think yeah. at the end. So, I mean, I, I think in, in that respect, Something that tied you over certainly has uh, very just positions all around. Yeah, definitely. It's like payback for like them being killed and they're going to kill the guy that killed them. Yep, totally. And moving along to the fourth film, the fourth story in this film, it's called The Crate. I like The Crate. Uh, you know, this is, this is a story that definitely has um, a split audience. Um, it's about a, a professor who... Uh, notice, uh, or, well, it's about a janitor who loses a coin and, and uh, goes to get the coin and he realizes that there's this crate that's been locked up under this basement staircase since 1834. So it's been around for a long time. And, of course, curiosity killed the cat and it also killed the janitor as he <laughs> opens the uh, opens the uh, crate and he finds that it, there's a beast inside and the beast is hungry. Well, naturally, um, going beyond the... the the, the janitor there's professor who also comes in f- and discovers this beast and a lot of people die and and you know he wants desperately to his wife to be off and and he concocts this plan to get the beast to kill his wife and as you expect I, things go a little off but uh you know it, it's what you expect from a horror film what do you what do you think about the crates here i really like the crate it wasn't mm-hmm. my favorite but it was sure. pretty good um i like how at the end um, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched this, great. Um, at the end, when they throw the Kate into the ocean, like, mm-hmm. you would think it's gone forever you, now. You do. But then, um, it, like, bursts open. hmm It definitely has a very horror-esque feel to it. And you've watched enough horror film movies now, horror movies now to know that, you know, when, that's a, that's a very, uh, 
a, a big horror motif or, or or cliche that horror films don't always end when you think they're in. You know, you think everything's safe and it's you know you're you're able finally to breathe and let out your breath and and all of a sudden you get one final jump scare, one final uh, you know horrific thing and that's usually how it ends and, and this is certainly the crate holds on to that because that last yeah. scene certainly you know scares you but also makes you make, let your mind start to wonder what is gonna happen next kind of almost like it sets it up for a sequel in a way doesn't it mm-hmm. and finally we're talking about the last film in the creep show anthology and that is they're creeping upon you and okay, yeah, this one's really creeping good. up on you. And this one was it was it's interesting in a lot of ways because it's it's about a, a guy who suffers from uh, mysophobia, which is basically the fear of um, you know, basically the fear of being outside and, and other things like that. Um, it can cont- mostly contamination with germs and whatnot. Uh, but he so it, it, since he's afraid of germs to such an extreme, he's basically sealed himself in a sealed himself sealed himself off in a hermetically sealed penthouse, which is it, for the time was state of the art, very much controlled by computers and cameras, and um, you know his outside world contact is by phone and yeah. employees doesn't see, so he's very you know paranoid and ger- germaphobe. So. Uh, of course, for him, the worst thing that could possibly happen for him is insects, and in this case, cockroaches. Uh, <laughs> he had definitely a very mad scientist aspect. To he did as absolutely. Well. I, I think he definitely. Um, you can definitely get that whole mad scientist uh, motif or theme going on for sure. Which is, you know, again, it's a big, it's a big uh, cliche, uh, big horror film uh, cliche. Yeah. So, I think that fits in well. Uh, what do you think about the creeping up on you? I think it was really, really good because you never think that cockroaches would kill someone. Right. But at the end, they'd certainly find a way. And um, you think he found, like, a safe space, but then he, uh, he like, I think he takes the sheets off the bed. Right. And then they're all over it, and they're everywhere, and it's too much, and he dies of the cockroaches. Right. Now, do you think the cockroaches were real, or do you think they were in his head? Well, I think they're in his head. You think they're in his Do head? Do you know the actual answer to that? I don't know the actual answer, dude. I was just curious on your thing. <laughs> and I don't think they... I don't... I, you know, while the next day after he's been killed by the cockroaches, spoiler alert, uh, you know, I, the, the, the crew comes in and they find him dead, or you know, and, they're, and they're, they're, they don't see any cockroaches, if I think I'm remembering correctly. Give me looks like I might not be remembering correctly. Um... I think I think he had gone a bit too mad scientist because he'd just mm-hmm. been locked up in there forever and all his workers were quitting because he was just getting like very to be a very angry person and very mad a mad, mad scientist right. yet again and um so he started going insane and then he started just viewing all his greatest fear right. which is probably insects and germs and cockroaches were what came to mind right and and, and then, at the end they kind of you know the cockroaches come back out of his mouth sort of so which again does it make him real? Does it not make him real? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, honestly, I think it's in it. I think it was in his head. Because somebody who suffers so much from that fear of of germs and pathologies would, I think they could, you know, physically manifest in their mind, you know, that that type of attack by cockroaches. And, yeah. and, and, and then like, you could die of, like, sure, fear. Definitely. 
Um, well, that's you know that's basically Creep Show. What did you think of Creep Show? Which I again, this is one of the first uh, anthologies I watched growing up. One of the earliest, one of the more earlier films that I watched. I, I loved it. I love the possibility of taking comic book stories, slicing them together, you know, having more more than one story in a film so that, you know, keeps things fresh and, and interesting and intriguing. But what did you feel, Sierra? What do you think? I think it was good. I like I like the anthology suspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I like all the stories were different but also similar at the same time. Right. Um yeah, like how all of them like had something to do with like kind of the supernatural sure like zombies and then aliens and then um uh like supernatural beasts like the crate yeah absolutely and yeah i like the i like uh all of them kind of related but not really and they're all like distinct in their own way exactly yeah definitely and i think that's a night another strong point that you point you bring to the table in terms of uh, what was one of the biggest selling points of anthology is that you're able to tell varying different tales within the same framework. You can get an alien show. You can get a uh, a monster uh, show. You can get a, a zombie type of feel. You know, you got vindictive vengeance, and so there's a lot of different uh, themes of horror that you could you know pull into and yeah. bring into one story, which I think is Definitely. really neat for sure. So finally, we're going to talk about the end of uh, Creep Show. And what did you think of the film as a whole? Do you, what would you give it as a rating? Uh, hmm. Hmm. Seven out of ten. Give it a solid seven out of ten. Solid Excellent. seven. What was your favorite story? My favorite story, uh, something to tide you over. Something to tide you over. What was your least favorite story? Hmm. My least favorite. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Uh. Probably the alien one, not the alien one, but like the meteorite one. The lonesome death of Jordy Varel, yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I liked that Stephen King was in it. Sure. But I don't know. I just, it wasn't, I don't, I don't think it was as good as the other ones. Fair enough. I liked, uh, I, I guess my favorite would be the beast, the crate with the beast in it. And I think my least favorite would probably be Father's Day uh, for whatever reason or uh, they're creeping up on you. I don't know. I'm not a real big bug fan, so cockroaches made me squeamish for the whole time. The creeping up on you is one of my favorites, though. I liked it. It was like, um, it was really good. I like how they like anticipated that the cockroaches were going to be coming. Right. They start off with just a few, then sure. more, then Absolutely. more. And yeah, like definitely build you up to uh, to the crescendo there. And as we always ask at the end of uh, one of our recaps. Uh, Sierra, do you think I'm a bad dad for letting you watch this film? No, this one was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, not suitable for like five year olds, obviously. Not obviously. I mean, heaven um, those little five year olds shouldn't be watching Creep Show now. But uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't like horrible. No, it right. wasn't. Um, I think it's pretty suitable for ten and above. Yeah, I'd tend to agree with you. I think there's some, there's certainly parents need to be concerned and aware that there are certainly some violence and some gore in it, but Not really. f- for the most part, considering what by today's standards, it's pretty tame. I think tweens certainly would be, this would be a film that would certainly be acceptable for the tweens. So I'm going to let myself off the hook a little bit. I will not call myself a bad dad and say that if, if you have uh, children who are looking for something beyond Stranger Things, Creepshow might be the next thing to send them on. It um, it wasn't too gory. Like there is definitely some aspects to it. Like sure. in Father's Day, there's a head as mm-hmm. a cake, but yeah. there's really not a lot of blood in that sequence. Correct. Just yeah. like the head is there. Um, so it's not too gory, but it might uh scare them just a little bit. Not too much, but just a little bit. 
sure, definitely. This is the one night. Don't forget your costume. All sorts of things. Rome free. The Halloween school bus massacre. Moving along to our second film, today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite films in the last 15, 20 years, I suppose, and that is Trick or Treat. Yeah. It is a 2007 film directed by Michael Doherty, and it was produced by Brian Singer. Do you know who Brian Singer is, Sierra? No. Of course not. You're too young. Have you seen an X-Men movie or 10? I think I saw... Half of one? Half of one. Uh, Gavin is more of our X-Men fan. But uh, Brian Singer is best known for his work directing and, and being involved with the X-Men franchise of films. Yeah. So that's where he comes along. But this is a different film. This is, again, one of my favorite films we watch every Halloween. It's called Trick or Treat. Or I at least watch every Halloween. Now we can watch every Halloween. It's called Trick or Treat. And it is definitely an anthology film. And it introduces the audience to uh, one of my favorite characters in recent horror lore. And that is Sam. We don't really know what to make of Sam, but Sam is a pretty cool kid who goes around killing people. And you and I have a little disagreement. You're not as as, uh, as in love with Sam as I am. Uh, but give me a little idea of what's going on here. Um, it's Halloween, and um, in this fictional town of Warren Valley, Ohio. And it's kind of a non-linear narrative. There's different stories told out of uh, timeline. They go back and flash back and flash forward. But it's basically about a town uh, in small town Ohio and about one particular Halloween where a lot of weird, peculiar, odd things happen. And we get one crazy dude, little kid, maybe Sam, who's in a peculiar uh, setup of a burlap sack costume over his head. Uh, who's trying to enforce the rules of Halloween. Um, Sierra, uh, what did you think? There's a lot to talk about here. This is Again, this is an anthology. It's a little different than Creepshow in that all the stories of Trick or Treat come together and They contain yes. um, mostly the same person. Correct. Sam is in almost... Sam, I think he's in every one of those. Yes. Um, not main character in every Correct. one, but he is... You can catch him standing in the corner. Or... He is definitely the fabric that ties all the stories together loosely yeah. in that he is he is either involved directly 
or indirectly he's sighted. He's you see him along the way. So um, I think most of the stories. I think they all happen like around the same area, because yep, same um, town. Yep. In the first one of the stories ish, sure. you see a father, um, burying, a per- burying the a principal. kid that he yeah. poisoned. Correct. Um, Which is that technically the second story. There's an interest. The opening story talks about the the couple that comes home drunk and oh yeah, and they want right. and she wants to take down the Halloween decorations and you know and and he just wants to get lucky and and it's still Halloween. It's, it's not still the next Halloween. Day you can't take down That's your decorations. Right. You know Sam and his rules. He is not happy when she takes down the decorations. But I get your. She so, also puts out the jack o' lantern too early. That's right. Don't ever do that. Sam will get you. There's um. Later on, there's a girl with a jack-o'-lantern and it's mm-hmm. all over her yard. Sure. And she says, tells us that they're meant to protect you, and if you take them out, Sam's going to come for you. But That's she doesn't right. say Sam. No, she that. doesn't, but I, th- I think she's uh, you know, definitely alluding to Sam, and Sam's definitely um, yeah. someone, who's de- someone who's definitely enforcing the rules for sure. Yeah. Um, in the second story, I guess. Yes. Um, principal is... Um, burying a kid that yep. he just poisoned candy in the yard. Correct. Um, you actually see him in one of the later stories as well, so there's another way that they yep. all tie together. Sure. Um, Definitely nonlinear. You, the stories, you know, weave in and out. You get, you start one story, you end up, you know, another part, another story for sure. And then he sees his neighbor, like, pounding on the window for help, but his neighbor's, like, a little cranky. He right. don't want to help him. Yep. So he just leaves him there. Mr. And Mr. he goes. Krieg. Yeah. He goes back inside to help his kid um, make a j- face with his jack o' lantern, right. and the kid says he needs help scooping the eyes out. Yeah. It's a human head. It's not a jack o' lantern. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that, you know, that's one of the things I, I enjoy about. Well, a lot of things I enjoy about trick or treat, but certainly about trick or treat is. Uh, they definitely plays your expectations a lot in yeah, terms definitely. of you, you think things you think a scene's gonna go one way and then all of a sudden it takes a huge right turn and it goes you never expect that way. the child like knows that his dad is burying people right. Talk and then about, he just like so casually asks yeah. for his dad to come help him yep um but then and I think the final story or maybe the second to final story um you see the neighbor mm-hmm. um. Mr. Getting King. pounced at, at yep. Sam for kind of not celebrating Halloween, um, yeah. not being such an enthusiast as Sam is. That's right. And uh, Sam is kind of pelting him with candy yep. and um, climbing on his head and stuff. Right. And you find out Sam might not just be a kid. True. He is definitely uh, diminutive. He's pint-sized. He would be somebody you would think of as a child, and in a costume you'd, on Halloween, you'd certainly would you know dismiss him as just another child in costume but you know he almost seems to be like a uh, a demon or a ghoul of some sort when uh, you take his burlap sack off mm-hmm. it's almost like it's like a decaying skull mm-hmm. but it can like move it's it's kind of it's kind of weird yeah he's um a bit weird but you see it's the exact same sequence that happened um at the beginning so you can see that they all kind of happen around the same time right yeah, definitely. Um, and it's it, it's interesting because, you know, yeah. whatever Sam is, I mean, his head's like basically a combination of a skull and a jack-o'-lantern. So it's a weird thing. And it's stuff that's definitely something that sticks with you. It's definitely, like I said, a character that is memorable and stays with you long after the movie's ended, for sure. But going off, the next, after the principal and that story is they go, you get the teenage trick-or-treaters who are looking for jack-o'-lanterns. 
Um, you go with, you know, you got Macy, Chip, Schrader, Sarah, and then they meet up with Rhonda, um, mm-hmm. who's dressed as a witch. And they want to visit the flooded quarry where they talk about the urban legend of the Hollywood, Halloween school bus massacre. Um, where eight disabled children were killed by a school bus driver on Halloween, um, allegedly at the will at, at the whim, or at least on, with the acceptance of their parents. So it's very scary, horrible. Yeah, it's um, like horrible that their parents would want to do that to sure. their kids just because they're not like all the other kids, right? And they sure. weren't born the same way, right? Yeah, it is very bad, scary, and, it, and again, and of course, nothing goes as it's supposed to, and. And um, the kids uh, unintentionally maybe uh, caused the school bus to crash into the quarry, killing everyone involved. Um, that's what they think. So basically, um, Macy Lee's Jack Lanterns by Lake is a tribute to the kids that were deceased. Um, but really what they're doing is they're, they're, they're wanting to scare Rhonda um, because that, that was the whole thing. It was a joke that they're all in on to scare Rhonda. Yeah. Uh, the prank goes off like gangbusters Rhonda's freaked out but then um you know macy kicks a jack on the water and then that causes the dead children from the school bus to rise rise from the lake for real um and then mayhem and murder in the school bus massacre it's almost like the vampire kid is like trying to grasp on what's happening yeah you can see him trying to get the chains off right um trying to escape from the school bus driver um, yep. I don't think he knows that he's on top of a cliff because he right. tries to kind of like drive away. Sure. Not knowing that he's going to drive the bus off a cliff. True. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and again, they're disabled, so we're not really sure what capabilities they have to understand anyways. So. Yeah. For sure. Um, it's definitely interesting. Um. It's almost like he was trying to like grasp the situation. Sure. Definitely. Uh, but as part of that, um, as part of that, again, you know, Sam, is in it but you know he comes and he and ron he and wanda wanda ronda excuse me kind of share a nod of respect towards each other so it's kind of an interesting way of again sam sparing ronda since she's you know she's did as best she could uh type of thing so she also never took out her jack-o'-lanterns that's right she has all of them up on her yard that's right so she was following the rules for sure Okay, and an interesting, the next story we, we get into, is it's very interesting um, because it's a complete role reversal. Uh, it stars um, Anna Paquin, who uh, <clears throat> interestingly later on uh, goes and in, in, uh, stars in the uh, show True Blood, which is about vampires. But in this, she plays, she's dressed up as Little Red Riding Hood for Halloween, which is a little bit on the nose, I suspect. Um, but you think that she is going to be taken advantage of by these men at a party, uh, when in reality, her and her sister and their friends are all female werewolves, and that they've lured these men to this party with the intent to, well, do as werewolves do and kill their victims and eat them. And so it was a complete role reversal of that basically. I thought they were vampires. No, they're werewolves. Oh, they were? Okay. Yep. That's what makes the whole Little Red Riding costume ironic. Oh, okay. Because instead know. of uh, instead of her became a victim of the wolf, she became the wolf. That's pretty good. Do you like that story? Yeah, I like that story. Um, it's another one where they play with your expectations, because um, multiple times throughout, you can hear like her sister like saying like, 
I want my first time to be special, but you don't think she would yeah. be talking about eating someone. Right, exactly. You think, um, you're definitely thinking, oh, she's going to get sex tonight. Yeah. And that did not happen. She she got her first time, but it wasn't It was not what you're thinking of. Nope. So what do you think? Did you enjoy that? Was it was that was pretty interesting. I I what I love the best is I love and I still love the the um complete uh change of direction that that story takes that the expectations they play on and then they completely reverse them i think is amazing and it's a very empowering i would think horror film if you will for females i imagine you being a woman would enjoy the fact that you know they're not being that women are not being cast as victims completely in this and that they're taking control even though you know i guess werewolves aren't exactly the best thing in the world uh but it is what it is yeah um I like that they didn't like. Um, I like that they didn't like you know, um, like actually get taken like advantage of by the man because mm-hmm. usually um, before you see him like with his va- with fake vampire fangs on from right. Halloween and you, you know who that was right? Yeah, it was the principal. Correct, the principal who, besides being a serial killer, kids apparently you know moonlights on Halloween as a vampire who puts on fake teeth and drains blood. Uh, of a victim in the party downtown, yeah. and then he thought he was going to get the same with, uh, you know, with with Lori, but instead she, you know, changes the uh, the, the angle on him, and there, that changes completely. Um, so it's interesting. So, and, and in some ways, the principal, as we see, and again, this is all told non-literally, is the principal gets his comeuppance, as you were. So he again gets what he deserves. Definitely, like sure. in Creep Show. Indeed, again, that's how these anthology films kind of come together. Finally, the last story we talk about um, is uh, Sam, who, um, you know, he he and Mr. Krieg, um, you know, the whole idea of uh, this guy next door who's curmudgeon, you know, he's an older guy, he doesn't, you know... um, you know, scares trick-or-treaters off his doorstep with his dog and... You know, he doesn't like to hand out candy. You know, he just watches TV all Halloween. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, but so, you know, so Sam, naturally, um, uh, comes after him because he's not following the rules of Halloween. And it, it, it's a very interesting sequence of events because Sam is, you know, all, what, two feet and Mr. Craig's a little older. Uh, they get in a fight and they kind of have this fight um, where... <laughs> You know, it was. I guess you'd call it a draw. They both kind of, you know, they both kind of uh, were beaten, but they both survived. Uh, but Sam gets his, uh, <laughs> Sam gets the last lap by uh, uh, impaling a candy bar in Mr. Krieg's lap, uh, completing the tradition of handing out candy on Halloween. Um, and he and he leaves, and 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 then Mr. Krieg we find later on after that event is giving out candy trick-or-treaters in his front porch <laughs> and he's giving out candy and you know so he's learned his lesson from sam and now he's going to be better but we find out that um that mr Creed neighbor is isn't what he seems and that he was also the he was also the bus driver from the Halloween yeah. massacre, so the bus driver survived, and now he became this curmudgeon next door. That explains and why he didn't like. And that is another reason why all the stories connect. Exactly, and they all definitely pull around, and they all connect around. So Sam and the bus driver and this urban legend all all were around. So, uh, what did you think overall of the uh, of um, Trick or Treat? I think it was really good. 
I rate it a solid 9.8 out of 10. 9.8. Look at you go with a 9.8. Well, you know, I thought it was great. It's one of those films I continue to watch year in, year out. Um, And now that you've watched it and hopefully you've enjoyed it, maybe we can start watching it together next year and as part of our Halloween traditions as we get into it. Well, Sierra, again, we as we end all of our um, coverings of stories, um, we, you know, I have to ask you, do you consider myself to be a bad dad for letting you watch Trick or Treat? Again, same with Creepshow. No, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not as gory as uh, it sounds like. Um, there are, I mean, there are some moments that are pretty gory, though. Yeah, I mean, like the yeah. one with the, uh, I would rate it for, hmm. And there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of gore. You know, Sam with that candy that he's the sucker that he's cooked that he eats on, and then pals in that one lady's mouth. Maybe eleven and all, ten and all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There is some horror, but it's you know it's not the worst horror film you're gonna have kids see. Um, there are moments in between, but it's definitely it's one that you want to watch your kids. Maybe a little older. Um, in that 12 to 14 range as opposed to, you know, 9 or 10. So, but uh, overall, I think it's, um, I think it's a great, uh, a good film and uh, one that I think you can enjoy for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thank you for joining us. It's, uh, you know, again, this is our eighth episode, even though this is supposed to be our surprise Halloween episode that we were going to record, but we didn't get a chance to record it. And coming up next time, we'll have a couple more films. But until then... We'll be be back. back. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. I'm getting another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Ah!